Jerome Epstein. AWOD Radio, every weekday at noon on Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. I'm broadcasting live from the Diamond ahead of the Squirrels playoff baseball game tonight. Every Richmond Flying Squirrels game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan. I'm here from the broadcast booth, and I'm looking out on the field. They're, they're watering the grass right now. Uh, I mean, it just looks beautiful. It, it is fun doing this show from the Diamond. I, I did it uh, for the season opener, a few games last year, and then last year's playoff game that I went to. And I, I'm just having flashbacks to last year right now because this place was freaking crowded, and it was loud. And I had so much fun at the playoff game. And, look, the results didn't go in, in the Squirrels' way, but we're hoping for a different story this year. And, honestly, this could be the season for the Squirrels because they have a great combination of pitching and batting. And they have turned it around as of late. Last year, they got into the postseason by winning the first half of the minor league schedule. And then for three months, we were prepping for the playoffs. It was all the talk in town. It was sold out. Well, this year, slower start, hot finish. As hot as you can get. They win the second half title of the Eastern League. They're hosting the first game of the three-game playoff series. And there are tickets still available. So if you're driving around Richmond and you're listening in right now, you got no plans for a Tuesday night, come on down to the Diamond. But right now, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. The question of the day is, can Washington keep scoring 30-plus points? As we break down the Commander's 2-0 record on the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for some- the phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. Phone lines are open. Love to hear from you. 833-804-0910. The fan base is fired up. I know all my friends are texting me. We got a group chat going. People are going to the Bills game. They're talking about going to divisional games later this season. I mean, that's all it takes. Two weeks, two wins, and the Commanders are 2-0 for the first time since 2011. What's the reason for that? I believe it is the offensive coordinator, the assistant head coach, Eric Bieniemy. Ron Rivera, my offseason MVP, by realizing that Scott Turner was holding this team back last year. Instead of Rivera being fired, Scott Turner fell on the sword. Ron Rivera took his time, took his sweet time this offseason. A lot of people didn't like that. He was waiting for the playoffs to end because he had his man. He had him circled. Eric Bieniemy. Brought him into Washington, negotiated for a few days, locked him in as the new OC. He got a pay raise and a better title to come to D.C. Headline, the Eric Bieniemy narrative has been shattered with the Washington Commanders. Only two games into this season, the Commanders' new offensive coordinator is already on a roll. Look, you guys know when I do this show, I absolutely hate national stories on the Commanders because I believe those guys don't really know what's going on in the building. Right, Guys like Michael Phillips, like myself, Matthew Paris, Craig Hoffman, Chris Russell, guys that are local, we have a better understanding of what's going on. But when a national outlet hypes up the commanders, I can actually get on board of this. All right. So here's uh, Anscape. They say the Washington commanders already have something good cooking. And offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is on a roll. Butter me up 
We're on a roll. It's definitely not too soon to focus on the enemy's impact, both on Washington's offense and the team overall, which improved to 2-0 after rallying from an, an impressive 35-33 victory after being down by 18 on the road against the Broncos. He was hired by head coach Ron Rivera to energize the club's lethargic offense and truly empowered by Rivera to make changes he deemed necessary in that effort. The enemy revamped the commander's approach and ruffled a whole lot of feathers in the process. And that's why, look, I'll tell you this, nobody is complaining about the enemy being too demanding right now when this team is 2-0. and Oh no, Coach EB is making me run extra sprints. Oh no, Coach EB is making me run the play again and again and again until I get it right. Those guys complaining, they're not on the roster anymore. Those were sixth and seventh round draft picks, practice squad guys. Anybody that was complaining, that was a mistake because Washington is winning games and looking sharp on offense simply because of the extra work that they put in this offseason with Eric Bieniemy demanding perfection. Here's more from Jason Reed on Anscape. He says the hard-changing former NFL running back Eric Bieniemy dissembled a hot mess of an offense and rebuilt it on a foundation of the core principles he believes in most as a coach, which are effort, give me a ding, effort, precision, and accountability. The enemy is producing big-time results while working with a 23-year-old quarterback who only made one start last season. It is a drastic change. Difference offensive coordinators between Scott Turner and Eric Bieniemy. So much so that team president Jason Wright had this to say. Quote, the biggest single, the single biggest accelerant to the culture change Ron brought in to do was Eric Bieniemy. That is a big statement. Think about that. That's a big statement. But is he wrong? Is he wrong? Right, Ron Rivera was brought in to change the culture. And I'll give him his flowers for that. All right. He changed a franchise that was having off the field drama and embarrassing stories about Jay Gruden hanging out with girls at a bar till 3 a.m. the night before a game. All that hoopla. All right. Rivera came in right when the team was told they have to change their name. Right when the team was being destroyed by the Washington Post for sexual harassment allegations with the cheerleaders. All this stuff going on with Dan Snyder. Rivera was brought in to change that culture. And he had done that, all right? But he didn't change the product on the field. Rivera had this team at one and two, and then one and three, and then one and four in his first few years in charge of this franchise. The one season they get off to a fast start for the first time since 2011, the team's two and oh. Yeah, I'd say that's the Coach Eric Bieniemy factor. It simply has to be. Bieniemy quickly identified areas in which players could step up a bit, says Anscape. An old school drill sergeant, Bieniemy isn't in this for participation trophies. This is the NFL. The enemy is all about winning, and the players in his charge will be so as well. I just love how he was able to identify ways to attack the Denver offense. It is so refreshing to watch Coach Eric Bieniemy compared to last season with Scott Turner. All right, Eric Bieniemy risks it. He risks it. He goes for it. You know, when most offensive coordinators that we've had in Washington, not just Scott Turner, but go back the last 10 or 15 years, they would sit on it. 
You know, I've watched this team time after time after time get the ball back with 40 seconds on the clock in the second quarter, and they said, you know what? We're down by 18. Let's just rest on it. Oh, we're down by two. Let's just go into half. Oh, we're up by one. Let's be happy that we have a lead. That's not the Eric Bieniemy style. He risks it, all right? And in the second quarter and through the fourth quarter, Washington's offense had some serious rhythm. It seems like Eric Bieniemy had the answer to everything Denver's defense wanted to do. Oh, Denver's going to rush. The enemy calls a screen. Oh, Denver drops back. The enemy calls a run. You heard Chris Russell earlier. They ran the ball. They ran a screen three times to the running back for an average of 30 yards. That is unbelievable. That is something that Andy Reid has done to perfection for years. His mentor, Andy Reid. Now the enemy comes to Washington and he's dialing it up like it's never been dialed up before. It's almost like he was playing Madden and he could see the Denver play call on his screen. I mean, Sam went, Sam Howell went from a quarter full of mistakes and sacks and missed opportunities to whipping the ball around the field, an 18-point comeback, 299 yards, two touchdown passes, including the most impressive one where he threw it up to Terry McLaurin and said, go get it. Are you surprised by this? Are you surprised that Eric Bieniemy is this good? I'm not at all. He was Aaron D. Reed's top lieutenant on an offense with the Chiefs that won five consecutive AFC West division titles and hosted five consecutive AFC championship games. And oh yeah, played in three Super Bowls, winning two of them. And helping Patrick Mahomes at 28 become an all-time great in this sport. I am not shocked at all that Eric Bieniemy is making this big of an impact and he needs to get his credit. He needs to get the credit. Yes, Ron Rivera has done a great job. Yes, Josh Harris should uh, get some credit as well for enhancing the fan experience and making uh, FedEx Field a home field advantage once again. But this team would not have come back from 18 points on the road without Eric Bieniemy, without his play calling, without his energy on the sidelines, not giving up on people, firing people up. It is fun to watch. Commanders fans, if you were wondering what hope looks like, this is hope. Being 2-0, being 2-0, winning a road game, a franchise that for years has struggled to start the season, is 2-0 for the first time since 2011. And Michael Phillips last week talked him into talked himself into a victory over the Broncos throughout the week. I think I'm going to talk myself into a victory this weekend at home against the Buffalo Bills. That offense has struggled. They've made mistakes. Our defense has capitalized on mistakes. I think we're going to force some turnovers, and I would not be shocked at all if the Commanders advance to 3-0, defeating the Buffalo Bills at home. Phone lines are open throughout the show. 833-804-0910. Last thing I wanted to get to on the Richmond Commander was this article from the Washington Post, Jerry Brewer. Listen to this quote. I love this. All right, speaking of the the change of ownership, he says, this franchise, in his 24 seasons of shoveling dirt on this franchise, Dan Snyder never missed a tackle. Dan Snyder never threw an interception or made a horrible coaching decision. It just seemed like he did. (laughs) As the team failed to sustain anything commendable for a long time, the debate centered on the impact of bad ownership. Couldn't a great general manager amass the talent to overcome the problem? Couldn't the right coach sustain winning? Couldn't the right franchise quarterback make a difference? In hindsight, 
There was never any hope for change, just the illusion of it. The embarrassment persisted. There was no shelter from the dark cloud. The negativity of, the, of failure after failure, controversy after controversy, made it impossible to cultivate belief. But now that Dan Snyder is gone, there is belief once again here in Richmond, there in Washington, in Landover, Maryland, all over the DMV, there is belief in this football team once again. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the New Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, live and local here from 12 to 3 p.m. And I'm broadcasting live from the Diamond ahead of the playoff game tonight that can be heard right here on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM and available around the country on the Odyssey app. And with me right now is my buddy Parney. What's going on? Hey, Watt, so glad to have you here today. And it was great with MP on the mic here also earlier and, and uh, just watching – the grounds crew get ready for batting practice. Uh, the atmosphere down in the office is really electric, and we're in the Trey Wilson broadcast booth. Yeah. Trey Wilson, Blaine McCormick, brought, the breeze is flowing. It's just, it's awesome, man. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about what it's going to feel like. The players are starting to get into the clubhouse. I just bumped into Will Wilson. He gave me a big hug and said, "Man, I am so excited. Mm. I am so excited." And to hear that from a veteran guy like Will Wilson, who spent some time in AAA. Uh, really means a lot to me. It means that he's really excited for Richmond and really excited to be a Flying Squirrels player and to do something special for us here tonight. And all of us at 910 The Fan are excited for this. I'm so happy to be out here. Michael Phillips did a show here. We snuck into the dugout for a photo yeah, uh, early this morning. And, and we love having Michael. And, and he did something I want to give him a lot of credit for. He found out who wrote that song. He got him on the show. That was such an interesting story, man. It is, and it's become such a big part. You know, when we were doing that, we didn't want it to be just like a, a jingle. Yeah. We, we wanted it to be like a like a, a fight song, you know, a, mm -hmm. a, a theme of us. And every night we open the squirrely gates, and that's the song we play it to. And uh, it all it all goes back to, to Richmond people being Richmond people and me meeting him at Poe's Pub and becoming friends and knowing what he did. Uh, for his job, and uh, he did a great job. Uh, all the instruments, everything was just—it was just amazing. So playoff baseball tonight at the Diamond for the Flying Squirrels. I was talking about earlier last year. You had so many months to prepare for the playoffs. All right, this year though, not much time to prepare. But the team is so hot. Yeah. You gotta love that. A lot man. to be excited about, and um, you know, as the staff, I can't say enough about them. They're all re really working hard. Uh, you know, a, a lot of our colleagues around minor league baseball are sitting on the beach or playing golf or whatever, <laughs> uh, and they're working the long hours that they always do. Our, our great, great grounds crew led by James Petrella, they were just uh, toting big old carpets out uh, to put a home plate for batting practice. So I uh, can't say enough about the, the front office staff and just how great they are. And, you know, I don't know what the crowd's going to end up being tonight. I'm, I'm thinking it's probably going to be around 7,000, which on four days' notice on a Tuesday night with school in session I think is really good. But as I told a couple of the players this morning on text, it's going to sound like 10,000, 12,000. We can't have 12,000 anymore. But it's going to sound really, really great because every person here is here to cheer on their hometown team to win an Easter League championship. So every pitch, AWOD, they're on. That is a great point. That's a great point. Something that as a Commander Skins fan we never had. For years, a home field advantage wouldn't feel like that. 
it's going to feel like that tonight. I was at the playoff game last year, and it was like every pitch I would get goosebumps. I mean, the place was just rocking. It was super loud, and tickets are still available. We want to let everyone know you can get tickets last minute. Come on by, you know, like I do, walk over the bridge from Scott's (laughs) Edition and watch the playoff baseball tonight. Or meet at one of the breweries beforehand, then walk over. Oh, I bet Boulevard Burgers and Fries is going to be popping at like 5 o'clock. Good. Yeah, well, I mean that's. I think that's a, a testament to what the squirrels mean to this community. And even if people, I've had plenty of people text me and say, "Hey, I've got volleyball games for my daughter tonight, so we can't make it, but we're going to be following on your apps. We're mm-hmm. going to be following along pitch by pitch." So it really is heartwarming to us to know that this matters to so many people. When did you start your day today? I was late today. I didn't get here till a little after seven. So okay. you know, I, I'm I'm transitioning a little bit. So I'm sleeping a little yeah. bit later. Plus, my wife's out of town, <laughs> so the 4:30 a.m. wake up call uh, was a little bit later. And and uh, so I got in here and did my exercise in the outfield. It's my peaceful time of the morning, mm-hmm. uh, where I just put the music on really loud in my headset and just kind of think. And it's a it's a reflection time for me, Awad. And I was really grateful for a lot of things that I thought about. The players, Carson Seymour, on the mound tonight. Mm-hmm. He's just—he's a warrior. He's going to get out there and compete to the highest level. And you know, our friends like Shane Matheny and Will Wilson, guys that have been in AAA, come back with energy, and enthusiasm, and and uh, have been a real big part of the the team. Cardi Aldretti's been here all year. Uh, Brandon Martiramo f- uh, fought through a wrist injury earlier. Uh, so I could go on, Andy Thomas. I go on and on. All these guys uh, have made that clubhouse feel so cohesive, and and they really, really want to win. And that is just so inspiring to see. And of course, they're led by the birthday boy, uh, Dennis Pelfrey, who's celebrating his birthday today. Tried to keep it quiet, but we've done everything we can to let all of Richmond know that our manager, number twelve, Dennis Pelfrey, celebrating his birthday. So. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to deliver a very big birthday present for Pelf. Absolutely, and there is a lot of energy and excitement around Richmond right now because of this game tonight. I came here in my jersey. I picked up this random ball in the the booth. I I can't get rid of it. I'm looking at it, minor league baseball, official ball, trying to see how's how's Seymour going to hold it tonight. Is he going to throw the two-seamer? I mean, it's just I'm I'm excited. Uh, But you mentioned something to Michael Phillips about Dennis Pelfrey always making the playoffs. That is just such an incredible accomplishment. How does he get it done? Uh, he's a special manager. Uh, you know, I've been around 34 years in this business, and, and he is just a complete package. He he works really, really hard, uh, but he's also real personable and, and, and likes to have a good time, and, and he's just so kind to every single person he comes across. Uh, but but he's fearless. Somebody on Twitter, I think it was uh, Sam McCloskey on the Squirrels account, mm-hmm. wished our fearless leader a happy birthday. And fearless is a good word for Pelf. He he is going to be really uh, fierce in his approach to this game tonight and this series, and he wants to win this very badly. And a lot of times in the minor leagues, you have managers who just try to to make the players better without the emphasis on winning. And Pell's philosophy is to get these guys to the big leagues as quickly as possible. And he has this year. I think four or five guys have gone from here to AAA to the big leagues. So that check that box. But he wants his team to win. And I just think that that's been amazing to watch over the last couple of years. Uh, and he's really fierce and fearless about it. I always give out my keys to victory for the Commanders on Friday, so I want to hear yours because personally I believe 
that with the crowd as loud as they're going to be, if we can get a couple runs early on, and then anytime you know Seymour's got two strikes, yep. the crowd's getting into it, yep. that's going to be a big key. Well, I think using the home field advantage that we're going to have, it's going to be one of the biggest crowds in minor league baseball playoffs in the country, no matter what level. So utilizing the crowd early, as you said, Awad, and making sure that this crowd is into this game from the very first pitch at 635, getting on, the, getting on board, establishing command, and then having a lead after Seymour exits and having the bullpen, the bullpen, our bullpen is going to be very, very important to shut them down. What do you think it would mean to the city of Richmond if the Flying Squirrels won a minor league championship? Well, your listeners can't see me, but did you see that big smile? Yeah. Uh, that I just had, it's emotional for me. Uh, you you know, got great dimples, too. Th- thank you. <laughs> uh, that that doesn't happen very often. I, this is my 34th year in minor league baseball, and I've been part of one Eastern League championship in 34 years. So it's a special thing to win a championship at any level. So I think that there's such a love affair with the Flying Squirrels in this region. Uh, I think everyone would wear that with a lot of pride. Like I, I, No matter where I go in the country, I'm always wearing squirrel stuff. No matter where, somebody always yells something about the squirrels or, hey, there's a squirrels guy. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it mean, it'll mean a lot to many, 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 many people, and it'll give the squirrels even more momentum moving into the 24 season, 25 season, and the new ballpark in 26. I, I agree, man. I, I've fallen in love with this team. It feels like it's Richmond's team. It's the city's team. I'm obsessed with the logo. You know, <laughs> I wear it all the time. I love the hat that I wear. It, it's incredible. So take me back one more time here because I, I love to rewind with you. How did you come up with the idea for the Flying Squirrel and the logo and all of that great stuff? Oh, well, I mean, I think about it all the time, uh, you know, as, as we've gotten to, to this point of the season. Uh, building building something and something special like the squirrels out of nothing has been the joy of our professional life. And I say our because it's the team that does it, not one person. And coming in here, nobody knew what we were going to do. And I remember somebody saying, you know, are you going to be the Richmond Giants? And we we're like, uh, no. <laughs> and we want to be we want to be different every day. We want to have fun every day and we want to be impactful every day. Those are the three pillars of the Flying Squirrels that this entire organization has been built off since 2009. And just to see it come to the fruition where someone like you, as a sports journalist in this community, can say that we're Richmond's team, it means the world to me. It didn't come without a lot of risk. Like when we named the team the Flying Squirrels, uh, you know, I would be sitting in bars and restaurants and you hear people at the bar go, whoever, the, whoever it is that named that team the Flying Squirrels, I wish they would go back to wherever they came from. <laughs> and then I bomb around a shot and say, well, I'd, they end up being season ticket holders. You know what I mean? So, so you know, it, we had to have some courage in naming a team the Flying Squirrels. No team in sports had ever been named something like that. Mm-hmm. But with that name came that logo. Our, our friends uh, Jason uh, and out at uh, Brand, Brand, uh, Branding Sports out in San Diego did it. And, and they just did an amazing job of coming to the community, meeting with people, and then nutsy. And then when Nutsy was born in February of 2010, that's when I knew we were going to have something special because people from birth to 100 years old are attracted to Nutsy. Everybody loves Nutsy and now Natasha. And it's just been amazing. Again, it's, it's been the joy of my professional career, of our professional career, to do something like this in a city that I now, uh, you know, it's my, it's, it's, it's my place I'm going to live the rest of my life. I, Got got married, met Tanya here, and and so 
It's a, a place where our family has dug some very serious roots. So to be able to go around town and be the squirrels guy is pretty cool, you know, and, and, and so it's been something that uh, is near and dear to my heart. And to culminate it this week and the next week with hopefully an Easter League championship would really be amazing. Absolutely. We're hoping a magical playoff run begins tonight. Parney, thanks for stopping by. All right, buddy. Thank you. Have you're fun. Listen- go nuts. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. All the media in town wants to talk some squirrels. We'll chop it up with Lane Casadante from CBS 6 coming up next on The Fan. In the AWOD Army, tune in to the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM every day from noon to 3 on AWOD Radio. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. And I am broadcasting live from the Diamond, the home of the Flying Squirrels, more specifically, the home of Trey Wilson and Blaine McCormick. I'm here in the broadcast booth, got a nice uh, view of the field, got the windows open. It is a beautiful day for some playoff baseball. That game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan. Blaine McCormick getting you set up with the pregame show starting at 6.05. First pitch, 6.35. And joining us right now on the Hadeen Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, as he does every Tuesday at 1.30 to run around local sports in Richmond, it's my buddy Lane Casadante. What's going on, Lane? Hey, Adam. How are you? I'm doing great. I love to ask this to start the segment. What is your biggest sports story in your world right now? Uh, it's right where you are. We uh, are headed over the diamond ourselves for our uh, late afternoon evening newscast. We'll be live from the diamond later, starting at 5 o'clock. And uh, I will be there uh, for tonight's playoff game against Erie. I mean, how exciting is this, Lane, that it's the second year in a row playoff baseball comes to Richmond. Squirrels hosting game one of the Eastern League playoffs at the Diamond. And unlike last year where they were hot to start the season, this year they're the hottest team in the second half of the season. Yeah, and they came very – I think they came within one game of winning the Southwest Division for the whole season. Like if you can – they take the the whole season record, I think they only – finished behind Erie like one game overall total so you're absolutely right I think they uh, at one point they had won 10 of 11 I, I if if my math is right they won 11 of their last 14 games I think uh four and two on the road up in Erie last week and most importantly I came over and talked to Dennis Pelfrey yesterday that one nothing game on Sunday in the season finale uh you don't overlook that one particular game because after they clinched the division last Wednesday night, there's bound to be a hangover. Last Thursday, excuse me. Bound to be a hangover, and there was. Uh, they lost the next two, but then they come out on the season finale and shut down what had been the best-hitting team, you know, all season in the Eastern League. Held them to three hits. That's huge for a staff's confidence and for their morale going into the playoffs. And the fact that they did that on the very last day should serve them well heading into tonight. And tonight's game one is 
more important than any other playoff game they might have, you know, outside of a, a you know, a winner-take-all, you know, one-and-done game, because it's only a three-game series. It's almost imperative for them to hold serve at home tonight, and then they only have to get one up in Erie later this week. Yeah, no, that, it's really important for the Squirrels to get the, the win tonight, as the Squirrels have given up the least amount of home runs in the Eastern League of all the teams, solid pitching all season long, and the ace, Carson Seymour, on the mound tonight for the Squirrels. Uh, the big bats at the plate for the Squirrels, Shane Matheny. I mean, there was a point this season where he was the hottest hitter on the planet. Brady Whalen's been good. Will Wilson had a good week last week. Victor Barracota, though, eight home runs in the last 30 days. If the Squirrels need a run, I'm hoping Barracota is at the plate, Lane. And, he, and you know what? All the guys you just mentioned work in tandem. You know, and if one has an off night, somebody else picks them up. And that's how you win at baseball when you have to play every single night. Uh, that's what makes baseball different than almost every other sport is the fact that every night somebody has a chance to step up and help out the team and be the hero. And while you're right, Barracoto and a couple of the other guys that you mentioned have had stretches of brilliance. It's usually, you know, one guy each night, and there's a different guy every night. So that's how you win at baseball, and that's what they're going to need to win this week to advance. Lane Casadante with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow Lane on social media, Lane CTV Sports, sports director of CBS 6. And we get Lane on the show Tuesdays at 1.30 to run around local sports, and we also team up with Lane for the CBS 6 910 the fan high school football coaches poll. I break it down with Gary Hess and we drive down Richmond Highway with the Czar Wednesdays at 2:15. Any big changes to the poll this week? And Lane, what was the best high school football game this past weekend? Um, there weren't there weren't any changes. The ten teams from last week are still the same this week. A couple of them switched spots. Thomas Dale is up to number two. Dinwiddie fell to uh, number three after losing their second game of the season. That was probably the biggest game of the week. It was our game of the week, uh, their game against Maury. Uh, it was certainly, you know, one of the more eye-opening games of the week um, because Maury has now knocked off our number one and what was our number two team in consecutive weeks. So yeah. I half expected one of the coaches to vote for Maury this week just because <laughs> they've done the 804 so far. But that was probably the most eye-opening. And it's been a long time since we've seen Dinwiddie you know, at, at 500 this early in the season. Um, you know, their other two wins have been convincing, uh, but their two losses have uh, have really, you know, taxed their defense and maybe shows a vulnerability down the stretch. We'll have to wait and see. Run around local sports in Richmond with Lane Casadante and Lane, my new co-worker, Michael Phillips, just two weeks onto the job. Love the energy he's bringing, and he is beating the drums that JMU, the Dukes, are the best football program in Virginia. It's hard to argue with against him right now with UVA and Tech's recent results. Oh, no, JMU is clearly the number one team in the Commonwealth. They're the only ones getting any kind of attention in the national polls. Um, they did not, which I thought was odd, they didn't get any votes in the AP poll this week after they did last week. Uh, and they still uh, they got a, a, a couple of votes in the coaches' poll this week. But... To go on the road in two different, you know, highly emotional situations, you know, the, the game at UVA was self-explanatory, but then they go to Troy, the team that won the, the conference last year, 
and they had to, you know, they had to grind it out. Like they had to win a shootout against UVA. They had to grind it out against Troy. Now they got to fly two thirds of the way across the country and play Utah State this week. And head coach Curtis Signetti said yesterday, he goes, I don't think there's another team in the country that has had three road games back to back to back with no break in between. He goes, but we're going to do it. And if they win this week, I mean, they should absolutely. He said there's, you know, he, they're not sneaking up on any, anybody. And anybody that follows college football knows what the Dukes are doing and knows how they're doing it by now. Lane Casadante with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. So we went from squirrels to high school to college. Now we've got to cover my favorite team on the planet, the Washington Commanders, who are 2-0 for the first time since 2011. You're going to hear that stat all week long. I mean, it feels like forever since this team got off to a good start. 62% of the teams who start 2-0 make the postseason lane. Have the Commanders found their franchise quarterback in slinging Sammy Howell? Uh, so far, he's played well. He, I think he's improved. I think he gets a little bit better each week, which is exactly what you want to see. Um, I will caution you as, you know, being the, the voice of moderation that my occupation demands that I be. Uh, they're not beating the, you know, they're not beating the 49ers and the, <laughs> and the, and the Chiefs here. I mean, they knocked off, they have a fourth place schedule or a third place schedule, whatever it is. Um, so, but they've won the games that are in front of them. It's better than losing those games. Uh, and the way they came back from 18 points down at Denver was commendable. Um, now we see them step up a little bit in competition this week. They got to take on Josh Allen and the Bills, who have struggled a little bit out of the gate. Um, but yeah, two and zero is far better than zero and two, and it's you know infinitely ahead of where this organization has been for the at this point of the season for the last couple of years. So everybody has every right to be optimistic and happy about it. Um, and now let's see what they do this week when, you know, when the, the opponent gets a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, you're so right. And here's the thing that I love is that, you know, a lot of people are giving all the credit to Eric Bieniemy, And he deserves a lot of it. But I think Ron Rivera deserves some credit. Jack Del Rio deserves some credit. You know, there's there's player after player after player that you could point to, including Chase Young. I started the show by saying today, Lane, they don't win that game if Chase Young doesn't return and have a sack and a half. So as a team, they're playing so well. Offense, defense, special teams all coming together, and it's been fun to watch. It's refreshing. I don't remember the last time they played a game in which they were down by 18, and I wasn't that nervous. Like I'm, I'm not even kidding, Lane. I felt confident that the offense could move the ball and score because they had the first two drives. They just missed a field goal. Yeah, and I, I, I will say this to anyone and have said it, for the last couple of years, Ron Rivera will never get the credit that is due to him for shepherding this organization through the last four years. Uh, whatever happens after this year, whatever happens this year, and whatever happens with his career after that, these four years cannot be undervalued for everything that has been put on his plate and the way he has handled it. And, oh, by the way, going through cancer treatments at the same time, I will never know the full scope of – the wave of emotions and stress that that man has gone through the last four years. Um, it, it, and, and again, it's a, it's a results oriented business. He's ultimately going to be judged by his wins and his losses and what happens on the scoreboard. But I think Ron Rivera deserves more credit than he'll ever get for where the commanders are now because of where they have come in the last four seasons. 
Lane, thanks for hopping on as always. So you'll be broadcasting live from the Diamond tonight? Yes, we'll be uh, our live reports start at 5 o'clock. Uh, and I will, we will have highlights of the game coming up tonight at 11. Awesome. Appreciate you. Thanks so much, man. All right, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from the Diamond. Trey Wilson, the voice of the play-by-play for the Richmond Flying Squirrels, will join us next after this quick commercial break. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, always available around the country on the Odyssey app. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, and the best damn sports talk in town locally. we got Michael Phillips, MP on the mic from 10 to noon. I take over from 12 to 3. You can always rewind on the Odyssey app or check out the podcast by searching AWOD Radio on iTunes, Spotify, and more. Best of AWOD, a full hour of you available on your ride home. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hot Seat, don't let it heat up on you too much, it's Trey Wilson. What's going on, Trey? Adam, thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. This is a fun day to be at the ballparks. Man, we couldn't ask for a much better day for some playoff baseball, could we? Uh, I know. Uh, your guy out there that was mowing the lawn almost kicked me and Michael Phillips out when we snuck into the uh, dugout there to take a little photo, but we're happy to be here. It's a beautiful day and ready for some playoff baseball. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, you know, it's tough to get to the playoffs, and the Squirrels have done it two years in a row now, but uh, this feels a little different this year. Things feel good. It'd be awesome to see uh, – the good news is uh, if the Squirrels win a championship this season, it's going to be right here, uh, the way that the alternating years the divisions go out. so uh, But you've got to get through step one tonight. This is It's a best-of-three series, so this is the only home game they're going to get in this series. It's so important to go up one nothing. We really need people to come out and pack this place. The guys feed off of that. You know, They, they talk about it, guys from other teams, guys from the Squirrels, people who've come through and played here and then gone on to play in the big leagues or whatever. They always talk about their experience in Richmond. It's the – it's the best home field advantage in minor league baseball, and that showed in the standings this year, and we're going to need that tonight. So come out. If you don't have plans tonight, 635, first pitch, squirrelsbaseball.com slash tickets. Come out and be, uh, be a part of it. This is, uh, this is this, this crowd here can be a force, and we're looking forward to seeing that tonight. Absolutely. Tickets are available. If you don't make it here, believe me, you're going to have FOMO tomorrow with all the excitement and the energy uh, that tonight's going to bring. So let, let's try to compare and, and contrast last year's playoff team and the home playoff game to this year. Last year started hot first uh, half of the year. You win that title. We know it's going to play a playoff game at home. This year, it wasn't until recently then we knew the Squirrels would host a playoff game. Yeah, I think this situation actually works out a lot better this year. Um, last year, the team got in in the first half and then really came out in the second half and, and kind of struggled and, and never really got their feet back under them the rest of the way, and then that carried into the playoffs. Uh, this year, it's kind of been a three different chapters of the Squirrels. It's been like three different teams this year. There were the guys who were here in April and May, and a bunch of them are now playing in the big leagues and are great contributors for the Giants, and that's awesome. And the team sagged a little bit in May and June, uh, but we were calling it uh, right before the second half started. We were calling it Get Right Week. They had one more series to get all the to get everything straightened out against Harrisburg here, 
and they won five out of six, and they never really slowed down from that point. Uh, they've been the hottest team in the league going back to June 18th, and and uh, coming off of a win, a series win last week in a place that they've struggled. They've not played well in Erie over the last three seasons, really. Mm-hmm. And to take a series win last week, not just to lock up the division title for the regular season, not just to uh, to, to lock in a playoff spot and, and finish hot, but doing it against the team that they're going to see this week. Uh, it's it's they're they're in a really good spot right now. Whereas last year, heading into the playoffs, they they didn't have a lot of a lot of steam behind them. This year, right now, I think it's uh, I think they've got the target on their back. And the game can be heard right here on nine ten. The fan now at one oh five one FM. Play by play voice of the squirrels, Trey Wilson with me here in the Hadid Mercer rug cleaning hot seat. You can hear him alongside Blaine McCormick. Let's chat a little bit about this pitching matchup. Carson Seymour, what's he like? What kind of pitches does he throw? Yeah, I was just talking with Dennis Pelfrey for an interview that y'all are going to hear right before the game tonight during our pregame show. And uh, I asked him about Seymour. One of the things is he was the opening day starter. He was the game one of the championship starter, uh, game one of the championship series starter for Eugene last year. He's a guy that they've thrown out there in big moments and big games. And the thing with Seymour this year is that he's been pretty steady all season. Every time he goes out there, the team's got a chance to win. So Pelf actually said that when we came out of the All-Star break, they actually lined up the pitching rotations so that Seymour would be the guy if we needed a win on the last day of the regular season. He was scheduled to start Sunday. Since mm. they, they had already gotten in, they, they went ahead and pushed him back. If they were already locked in, they were going to, they wanted him for game one. So they actually have had this kind of in motion since July uh, to, to have him line up to start this game. Uh, and in the second half, uh, he became also one of the top strikeout pitchers in the league. He was already getting out, so now he's missing a lot more bats. So he's a guy that's going to go out there, and he's probably going to give you five, maybe six. And, mm-hmm. and, and pretty much every time he goes out there, if the team's not in position to win, they're in position where they've got a chance to win, and that's what you want. Uh, especially with uh, each game now kind of being so important. Uh, you, you don't want to find yourselves in an early hole, and it's very rare that he's done that this year. And he had a really strong start against the same Erie team last week, so he's going to be in a good spot. But meanwhile, Erie's throwing out Brant Herter here in game one tonight. He's a really good left-hander. He threw four scoreless innings against Richmond last week, so uh, both starting pitchers are coming in hot. This is going to be a matter of like ha- probably having to try to create something, try to get creative in, in how you bring home some runs. And uh, yeah, But it's the playoffs. Things could also go sideways real fast. And we've seen this Squirrels team, when they get hot, they start – it's kind of contagious, and they start putting up runs in a hurry. And before mm-hmm. the pitcher blinks, six runs are on the board. So that could happen tonight too. Yeah, you know, I was just talking with Parney about how we're expecting there to be a lot of electricity in the crowd. It's going to be loud. That's why, you know, he was saying the key is – Let's get a couple runs past the plate early so that mm-hmm. then anytime Seymour has two strikes, the crowd gets into it, right? And, and that's going to be important. So who are the hottest bats at the plate for the Squirrels right now? Yeah, it's uh, Victor Barracoto has really kind of carried the weight. Uh, I won't say he's carried it because there have been a bunch of guys who've gotten hot, but he's been the, a big piece coming down the stretch. He really struggled when he first got to double A, but that's pretty normal. And what, what, what number is he in the order? Uh, it varies night to night, okay. uh, so we'll see. The lineup should be coming out soon, but he wears number two, so if you're looking, he's a big guy. He's 21 years old. He's the youngest player on this team mm. right now, but he's been uh, arguably the biggest bat down the stretch. Uh, he's he's at 20, I think he's at 27 or 28 home runs between High Eugene and Richmond this year, which is the most out of any Giants player, major leagues, minor leagues. Uh, so he's got some power. He's, he made Sports Center's top 10 plays last week for a diving catch in the outfield up in Erie. So he can play a little defense. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's a really exciting player. And I think that uh, he's been no, he's been batting in the bottom half of the lineup. That's where the depth of this team has been so big is that your hottest bats 
arguably hottest bats batting seventh or eighth, and but you're getting production from one through nine, so you can afford to to have a, a second big weapon at the bottom of the lineup where Yoshi Sutsugo or Brady Whalen or Logan White or some of these other guys who are up kind of closer to the top who can do some of the same things. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, got Trey Wilson hanging out with us here in the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hot Seat. We're broadcasting live from the Diamond, broadcasting live from the broadcast booth here. And you mentioned earlier the crowd makes a difference, and you got a great vantage point here where you can see everything. Give me a little bit more details about how it makes a difference. Yeah, you know, for years I called games the different team in this league, and I always enjoyed coming here one richmond's awesome and and it's close to home it's a great city it's a fun place to be but also because the crowds here are so loud and there's nowhere else in the minor leagues where the crowds get as loud as they do here and uh, part of that's the construction of the stadium the way that this place is built but also just the energy richmond's such a great sports town you know vcu games have obviously become a a bucket list stop for people in college basketball richmond football and basketball games are, are a great draw they have good crowds uh, and the Flying Squirrels have led all of AA in attendance the last couple of years. But it's not just that there's a lot of people here. It's that the people are as engaged as anywhere else. And a guy, when there's two strikes, like Parney was saying earlier, when there's two strikes, this place, the roar when this place starts to get going, it, you can't top that just about anywhere else in the minor leagues. So it's an engaged crowd, not just a big crowd. They've got energy, and, and they make more noise than you're going to see anywhere else. And those guys out there in the field, they feel it especially after we were in Erie last week where I, I love the Seawolves, but it's a smaller market. The ballpark's not quite as, uh, as, uh, as big of a piece as this place is, and the crowds aren't really as big. You know, you got to bring your own energy a little bit. You don't have to do that when you're playing in the Diamond. Well, we're hearing the energy right now as they're playing some music. So what is this player's schedule for the next four or five hours here? Yeah, so they're going to come out, and it's just like a regular, regular season day. It's a pretty typical day. The guys got here probably about an hour, hour and a half ago. They start doing their prep work. They start eating. They're checking over some scouting reports and notes. Uh, they're going to come out here and take batting practice soon. Um, might be might be a pitcher or two throwing a bullpen to kind of stay ready for you know the guys who are in line for a couple of days down the road doing their work in the bullpen. Uh, but it's it's a pretty normal regular season day. So you'll see them here toward the tail end of your show come out and start hitting. So you'll probably have the sounds of the crack of the bat in the background. Love that. And whatever music playlist that they're going with today. Uh, and uh, it, it, they're trying it's, – it's as business as usual as can be. But also I'm sure everybody's got a little bit of that feeling in their stomach of like, all right, this game means more than Sunday's game did. Like it's a different – there's a lot more on the line today than there was on Sunday, but they're trying to just keep it as business as usual as they can. So no final score predictions from you, all right? All right we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. But Michael Phillips set the line. I don't know if you heard it. For both teams, over under nine and a half. Where would you go? I'm not allowed to comment on that, actually. I'm not allowed to. It's, I have to sign a thing saying I won't do that. So um, I will say that uh, that, that pitching kind of carries the, carries the weight in the playoffs if everything's going well. Uh, both games last year ended up being a little high scoring for these two teams uh, in the playoffs. But, I mean, even just look back at Sunday, it was a one nothing Squirrels win against this same team. So everything can be so different day to day. But uh, I, would, I would say get ready for some fireworks, not just the ones coming up after <laughs> the game tonight. But these, these guys have been hitting more homers than anybody in the minor leagues over the last three or four weeks. So, uh, and the wind looks like it's blowing out to left field right now. If that stays, uh, it could be uh, – could be a fun night to watch some baseballs end up in the parking lot. Watch Absolutely. Where you park your car. It's going to be a ton of fun. You can hear it right here on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Trey, thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate you being here. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back.